are. Have you ever thought that it's your personality type that keeps you from growing in your relationship with God? That you're too extroverted to actually stop and be still and have a healthy prayer life? Or maybe too introverted to embrace healthy relationships and community? Well, we're going to talk about how to overcome our excuses on today's Dreamers and Disciples. Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. I'm your host, Wade Joy. Thanks for joining us on this journey to help you reset your rhythms and renew your dreams. And last week's episode was all about our rhythms, uh, specifically our spiritual rhythms and why they are so important. And in fact, we focused on spiritual disciplines. And this is a journey that I've been on the last two years to really embrace discipline, and it has transformed every area of my life. And I'm excited to see the Lord do the same thing in your life. And I'm hearing so many stories from you about how this is resonating. And so I want to continue in this flow uh, for the next couple of weeks. So here's a recap of last week. We talked in the previous episode about how you can actually delight in discipline, because discipline is what leads to delight in Christ. And I know that might sound crazy to you because you grew up dreading discipline. Uh, Discipline is not actually a fun word to many of us. But what we talked about and what we learned is that often that dread is due to a misconception about what discipline really means in your walk with the Lord. Because I grew up and maybe you grew up thinking that having discipline in your walk with Jesus and in your discipleship was legalistic. Uh, Maybe you grew up in church and, and you always felt this pressure that you had to do Uh, everything just right, and you had to look a certain way, and you had to measure up to a certain standard, and that left you with a lot of baggage. And if that's you, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episode if you haven't already, because it unpacks the heart behind the difference between discipline and legalism. And it's important because many of us, myself included, we've had a pattern of running away from spiritual disciplines because we grew up thinking that any sort of discipline was legalistic. Now, legalism goes against the gospel because we could never earn our salvation. We can never do anything to earn God's approval. If you are in Christ and you have been saved and you have surrendered your life to Jesus, uh, you are approved by God. You are loved by your heavenly Father. You have nothing to prove. Uh, You didn't earn your salvation, and you don't have to, to pray a certain way and do a certain thing every day at a certain time of day. Uh, to make God love you anymore. And so we've got to unlearn that legalistic mindset because here's the difference between legalism and discipline. Legalism is born out of a fear of man. It's born out of a desire to impress other people. It's It comes from a desire to be righteous in your own strength apart from God. And that is too heavy a weight to carry. None of us could do that. Only Jesus could. But discipline is different because discipline is ordering your life around what is most important to you. It's orienting your life around your passion for God and your dependence on Him. Discipline is a passion for what your priorities are. It involves humbly recognizing your dependence on God and need for Him and prioritizing His presence in your daily life. So the problem comes is sometimes discipline and legalism can look very uh, similar on the outside, uh, but they have very different motivations and very different starting places. But discipline does involve obedience. Look at what John 15, 10 says. Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, 
you will abide in my love. So abiding in Christ involves obedience. And that means being a disciple involves growing in our rhythms of abiding in Christ and growing in our rhythms of obedience. So we also talked about what we can learn from our current disciplines, because all of us are disciplined about something, and that reveals what is most important to us, because whatever you are disciplined about reveals what you are devoted to. Whatever you're disciplined about reveals what you are devoted to. So our practices reveal our priorities. Our daily practices are actually our priorities in action. Uh, And so a legalistic mindset would feel pressure to perform these practices a certain way to look good to others or to win God's approval. But spiritual practices were never meant to be a source of pressure. They are meant to be the way we activate power. And so that's just a brief recap of some of the ground we covered last week. And that's the foundation I want to build upon today, because I want to walk us through seven lessons I've learned over the last two years in my journey of embracing new spiritual disciplines, rhythms, and consistency. And here's what I found, is that there's a lot of excuses that keep us from embracing discipline. Uh, Legalism is not the only excuse. There's a lot of excuses that we can kind of build up in our minds that keep us from really ordering our life around following Jesus and, and resting in His presence. But those excuses actually are lies that keep us stagnant in our faith and in our maturity and in our discipleship. And so we have to learn how to overcome these excuses. And in doing so, it helped me move from dreading discipline to delighting in it. And so I want to share with you these seven lessons, and they're really seven truths to replace seven excuses and seven lies you might be telling yourself about discipline and specifically spiritual disciplines. And so the only way to overcome an excuse or a lie is to replace it with the truth. So for each of these, I'll start with the truth that I found and then the lie that it replaces. So there's seven of these. The first is this. Spiritual disciplines are about training, not temperament. Spiritual disciplines are about training, not temperament. See, I used to think that only a certain type of person could get up early in the morning to pray, but I was really just letting myself off the hook from actually training myself to prioritize God first thing in the morning. I used to think that a person whose mind uh, didn't wander like mine does, they're the ones who could sit in silence and just be with God and listen for His voice until I realized how much I needed that. I needed to be still before God and committed to training myself to do it for one minute, then five minutes, then 10 minutes at a time. See, I used to think that only a certain type of person made fasting a regular practice in their spiritual life, but Jesus talks about fasting like it was something we would all do, not just some super Christian. So I want us to look at what Paul tells Timothy uh, with all of this in mind in 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. Paul says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. What uh, really stands out to me about this passage is Paul 
is, is comparing the Christian life, and he's, and he's urging Timothy in his obedience and in his discipleship, and he's using a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And all three of those roles and those images uh, are hardworking people. Uh, these are people that have to be disciplined in order to be successful at what they do, to grow in what they do, to produce what they're trying to produce. Uh, an athlete has to go into strict training in order to win and receive the victor's crown. And so there is um, an element of training that goes along with our faith and our growth and our maturity. James uh, says in James 2.22, you see that he's talking about Abraham, that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. So, so often we try to divorce our works from our faith. And works don't earn us salvation, like I've said, but from our salvation and from our faith, work is supposed to flow from that. And disciplines help us put our faith into action. And so uh, spiritual disciplines... Yes, they include prayer and Bible reading, but they also include generosity and giving and serving and hospitality. These are things that we have to train ourselves to do because our natural tendency is to think that life is about ourselves. And spiritual disciplines train us to put our focus away from ourselves on God, on others. And we don't you know, ignore our needs and our desires but we don't think the world revolves around them either. And so we have to train ourselves to think biblically, to think according uh, to the mind of Christ. And so these disciplines and practices position and posture our hearts to love God in action, to complete the life of faith. Uh, but you don't train well if you don't have the right goal either. So as I've gotten older, my motivation and exercise took on a new seriousness the older I get because uh, it's no longer so much about chasing the abs that I will never see, um, but instead it's wanting to be healthy so I can play with my grandkids one day uh, and to have energy each day now. And so once you get the right motivation, you can actually train with purpose. And in the same way, training our souls and mind and body to surrender to God and not be led by our own urges and desires is much easier when we realize that we are doing it to walk in more intimacy with Jesus, and to walk in more power through His Spirit. So you train for what's important to you. And if learning to quiet your heart and mind to hear the voice of God and loving God and others well is important to you and to us, we will find a way to do it. Now, I, I remember growing up, my dad would always say these three letters. He would say TCB, um, and that stood for take care of business. And that was his way of telling me, hey, before you do all this other stuff that you want to do, take care of what's most important first. It was his way of teaching me uh, to check my priorities and to show me that your schedule will always line up with what's most important to you. And I hear myself telling my kids something similar now, but we have to train our hearts uh, to, to be built around the right priorities. So it's about training, not temperament. Disciplines are about making space for what's important to you, and that takes training. So you don't have to be an extrovert to train yourself in hospitality. Uh, you don't have to be a two on the Enneagram to train yourself in generosity. You don't have to be an introvert to practice rhythms of prayer. All of us are required to train ourselves uh, to grow in maturity and faith. All right, here's the second truth uh, to replace uh, the lie that some of us use as an excuse. And its spiritual disciplines are about dependence, not demand. 
Spiritual disciplines are about dependence, not demand. So let me put this uh, in a different context. You don't say, gosh, it's so legalistic that I have to eat every day. Uh, You don't ever say that because you know you need food. Uh, It's not a question for you. You know you need to eat. So most of us uh, listening to this, we eat every day. Most of us multiple times a day at regular times and intervals. We actually base our schedule around when we eat. And when we eat and what we eat, it's an outward sign that we're dependent on fuel or on food, uh, that is, for fuel in your body. And so in the same way, our disciplines like prayer and meditating on God's Word and studying God's Word and being silent in His presence, all of that is a posture of dependence, not done because uh, someone demands that we do it a certain way, but we're doing it because we know that we need God. We know that we have a tendency to think we can do things on our own strength, and we have a tendency to think that we can hold our life together and we can set our own agenda. But in our heart of hearts, we know that we need God to set our priorities, God to set our agenda. We need His strength through the power of His Spirit. And so these disciplines put our life in a posture of saying, God, I need you. Uh, It's recognizing that your soul needs the presence of God. You need community or communion with your Father. Uh, That's what these disciplines are about. It's anchoring our hearts and our life and our need for God. Even sometimes when we uh, don't feel that need, having this discipline helps turn our hearts back to the fact that, yes, we need Jesus. And so we see uh, Jesus himself prioritizing this, prioritizing prayer, prioritizing the power that he receives from being in communion with his Father. Look at Mark 135. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So let me ask you this. If Jesus recognized his dependence and need for his Father, how much more should we? If Jesus prioritized prayer and started his day with that, how much more should we? Let's look at Daniel in the Old Testament. Uh, In Daniel 6.10, it says, And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. I love that it says that that was his custom since early days, because I believe Daniel had, to stre- had the strength to live out his faith in the face of persecution because of the strength he gained through prayer throughout the day. He didn't start praying three times a day uh, right before he was thrown into the lion's den. This was a pattern and a practice in his life that gave him strength and that anchored him. He had a rhythm to it, and that leads to the next thing that I learned. Because uh, not only do we need to recognize our dependence on God through our spiritual disciplines, it's not a demand. It's actually where we receive what we need. But there's also a rhythm to it. So number three is this. Spiritual disciplines are about rhythms, not restrictions. Spiritual disciplines are about rhythms, not restrictions. So we often fall into the same trap that the enemy has used ever since the Garden of Eden, and that is this, thinking that limits and the way God has ordered and structured the world is meant to restrict us from what is best. We long to determine what is good in our own eyes rather than trusting what our Creator says is good. And so spiritual disciplines aren't meant to restrict us from what is good. 
They're actually meant to position us to fully embrace what is best. So let me give you an example. This one uh, is is very real to me because it's something that I've experimented with over the last two years. For most of my life, I have never been a morning person. I never thought I would be a morning person. Uh, I went to bed at midnight most nights uh, up until I was 44, and uh, I never wanted to miss anything. I remember that as a kid. I never wanted to sleep because I thought I was going to miss something fun or, you know, I wanted to watch the new show everyone was talking about. I told myself that that is when I was the most creative and I would write my songs then. And, And maybe there was an element of truth to some of that. But here's what I would find. After staying up late watching Netflix or after an hour of getting discouraged from the comparison game that we call social media, I would barely make it out of bed the next day uh, in any sort of good mood. Um, That would be very rare if I was in a good mood. And I would just kind of make it through family time without being very present. And I just rushed to get out the door to work. And I kept using the excuse that I wasn't a morning person. I was a night owl. But I realized that I wasn't giving my best energy to what was most important to me at the beginning of the day. And in order to do that, it meant I needed to change my rhythms. So here's what my wife and I did. We decided for a season from Sunday night to Wednesday nights, instead of watching TV, we were going to go to bed earlier and we were going to read, we were going to talk, and we were going to prioritize ending our day well so we could start the next day well. And so... To do that, uh, like I said, we'd, we stopped watching TVs. We had to miss out on some shows. But then we were able to get up earlier in the morning, and I found that in the morning I could, I could work out. I could spend time with God. I could get my mind and heart right uh, so I could go into family time well. I started my day better at work. I, I chose to fill my, my heart and my mind with the voice of God and the things of God before I opened it to what people were saying on social media. And while I had to set some limits on things I enjoyed to do it, my new rhythm brought me so much more health and joy. See, my mindset was better most mornings, even though it's still to this day a little hard for me to get out of bed some mornings without alarm goes off. But I do it because I know how much it helps me. So I've learned to embrace the rhythm. But rhythms also change. You, you know, if you're a musician, you don't want to hear the same rhythm in every single song um, all the time. So while during the school year, I might have gotten up at five to get all those things done so I could spend time with my kids. In the summer, I got up at six since my kids got up later. And now that my wife and I establish new rhythms, every now and then, if we want to watch a show on those nights, you know, Sunday night to Wednesday night, we do. But we monitor how the rhythms need to change in each season. So spiritual disciplines are about rhythms, not restrictions, because even when you have to set some limits, it's for your good. Uh, when you do it to discipline yourself, uh, to, to open your heart to the Lord and to what sets your mind and hearts on the right things. All right, here's the fourth lesson I learned, and that is spiritual disciplines are transformational, not transactional. Spiritual disciplines are transformational, not transactional. So growing up in church, I struggled with viewing God from a purely transactional point of view. I thought things like this, and maybe you have as well, maybe you relate, that God will bless me if I do all the right things, that God will love me if I do my quiet time, that God will bring the hammer down if I don't, Um, that how my day went was directly related to whether I memorized a Bible verse or I, I read 
a certain page in my devotional, but that is not grace. That is not the love of God towards his children. We don't obey and pray and serve to earn God's love. We obey to show our love for God out of his love for us. Once again, I can never overemphasize this enough. Jesus took all the punishment for our sin. Yes, sometimes God allows us to go through a correction when we're headed down a path, and that's his mercy that does that. But we have to remember that we're not just saved by grace. You live and you stand and you walk in his grace now. So stop trying to earn grace. Stop trying to earn God's love and approval. You have that through Jesus. So that means our disciplines aren't to put God in our debt so he'll give us our dream. Because I've thought that too. God, if I just do all this stuff and I serve for you and I sacrifice for you, then you're going to have to give me the things that I want. You're set up for disappointment if that's what you believe, because um, that never worked out for me. We can never be in God's debt. He has given us far more than we deserve. But our disciplines are meant to transform our hearts and our minds to see our dreams and live our lives uh, from God's perspective, not ours. And I'll quote this verse a lot in this podcast, but Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, it's when we open our hearts to the presence of God and meditate on his words that we realize we have been given the mind of Christ through his spirit, and our earthly mind and values and priorities are all meant to be transformed. But it takes daily renewal, uh, renewal of our mind, renewal of our heart and our habits, because everything else in the world screams the exact opposite. The world says that life is transactional, so only worry about yourself. But when you renew your mind, you think less about yourself and more about those God has called you to serve and to love. You begin to extend the grace you've been given. You stop living with a transactional mindset, and you start to embrace the transformation that God is doing within you and the transformation we are meant to bring to the world through the power of His Spirit. All right, number five. Spiritual disciplines are about structure, not sameness. Spiritual disciplines are about structure, not sameness. Now, everyone listening to this podcast is in a different stage of life, a different season of life. No one's schedule looks the same. If I opened my iCal, it would not look like yours does. Uh, A person who works third shift and is raising four kids won't have the same rhythms as a pastor does. But no matter what your season, no matter what uh, phase of life you're in, you still need a structure. Uh, And if we don't have a structure, we don't end up prioritizing what matters. See, there's no certain Bible reading plan that you have to go through. That's legalism. But you do need to study and meditate on God's Word. So find out what works for you and create a structure. There's no certain prayer that you have to pray daily as a Christian. Um, although there's a lot of great prayers in Scripture that we can learn and we can pray and we can anchor our prayer life in. There's no set time of day or frequency during the day that you have to pray, although there's some models that it would be good for us to learn from. But you do need to pray. So find out what works for you and create a structure. I would even go so so far as to say you need to find a time to start your day setting your heart on God at the beginning of your day, but all of our days start differently based on our jobs, based on our family dynamics. But I think starting your day, whenever it starts, uh, focusing your heart on God is what is most important. 
And so build a structure around that. You need to place a structure in your life to help you prioritize God's word every day. But once again, that's going to look differently for a stay-at-home dad or stay-at-home mom with young kids than it does for a college student. But everyone can create a structure that works for them, that works for you. So next week, I'm going to talk to you about ways to provide some structure to your prayer life, um, to your Bible study, to meditating on God's Word, to your spiritual rhythms. But here's one small thing that I did that really helped me. Uh, A friend of mine uh, a couple years ago just encouraged me to take some time around lunch to pray the Lord's Prayer, and here's why. I would find that even when I spent time with God in the morning in prayer and in meditating on His Word, a lot of times the stress of the day would completely uh, take my mind and my heart away from what I'd learned or what maybe God had spoken to me that morning. And I sometimes at lunch forgot that I was even saved. I mean, I would be so caught up in whatever was just happening or the meeting I was about to go to. And what I found is this, by just taking five minutes to walk around the office and to pray the Lord's Prayer did so much to turn my heart back to God. Did it always feel spiritual? No. Did it sometimes feel stale? Yes. But did it always at least turn my heart's attention back to the things of God? Yes, it always did that. And I found that that one small change began to build a bigger transformation in my prayer life and in the way uh, the second half of my day went. So maybe there's a small bit of structure you can start adding to your life. All right, here's the sixth lesson. Spiritual disciplines are about relaxing, not reacting. Spiritual disciplines are about relaxing, not reacting. So one of my favorite pastors and authors is Pete Scazzaro. He wrote books like Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And I love how he says to think about surrender and trusting in God as relaxing in God, relaxing in Jesus. And I can relate to this because I can be a very stressed out person sometimes. I can struggle with anxiety. I can be tense. I can struggle with worry. And I find myself so often reacting to my problems more than relaxing in the truth that God holds and determines the outcome. And yes, God does want us to bring spontaneous prayers to Him when we're worried. Sometimes we do need to have reactive prayers when something happens. But I found that there's so much health in being proactive in my prayer rhythms to be still and silent before God because that trains my heart and mind to rest in the Lord's power and love and to be more relaxed when the unexpected comes. And so there's a prayer I learned from John Eldridge. It's very simple. It's been really helpful for me. And it's this, I give everyone and everything over to you today, God. Uh, He calls it benevolent detachment. Let me say it again. I give everyone and everything over to you today, God. And so what I do sometimes in the morning is I pray that prayer as I read through my calendar for the day. So I'll look at my meetings for the day, the things I'm doing with my family, and I say, I give this meeting over to you today, God. I give this person that I'm going to meet with over to you today, God. Help my interaction be encouraging to them. And it's a way of saying, God, I relax in, in you. I trust you with the things I know that are coming this day and the things that I don't know are coming this day. But spiritual rhythms and disciplines help us to re- relax more than we react. Reacting is not bad, but let's train our hearts to relax in the Lord. 
And then finally, the seventh lesson, uh, the seventh truth that we need to hold on to and replace uh, the lie that we sometimes believe is this. Spiritual disciplines are about presence, not perfection. Spiritual disciplines are about presence, not perfection. Let me uh, let you off the hook a little bit. Whatever you have set as your disciplines, you're not going to be perfect at them. You don't need to be. Take that pressure off. You just need to prioritize showing up. Uh, No matter the mood you're in, no matter the day you had yesterday, no matter if you feel it or not, sometimes we think that that's being fake, but it's not. It's being faithful to recognize our need for God, our dependence. Jesus was and is the only perfect sacrifice, the only one who could live up to the standard of perfection that sometimes we hold ourselves to, but we can never do it. That's why we need Jesus. We need His grace. And so you don't lose the presence of God during the day because you forgot to do your noon prayer time. Um, Don't beat yourself up about that because sometimes that drives us away from these disciplines before we ever get started. But just start over. Keep coming back to God. If you missed prayer time today, do it tomorrow. If you missed prayer time at lunch, do it at two o'clock. See, you have access to God's presence at all times. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. And so these disciplines are learning to recognize God's presence is with you. And it's meant to help us bring our whole selves to God. But it's not about being perfect or having the perfect discipline or the perfect rhythm or the perfect schedule. Spiritual disciplines aren't a way to attain perfection, but they are a way to tune our hearts to the presence of God that is in us and around us and leading us and guiding us and loving us. All right, take a deep breath. We've covered a lot of ground. So let me just review these seven lessons one more time before we close. And I want you to pray through this. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what lie do you need to replace with the truth? And what truth of these do you need to hold on to and say, God, I'm going to believe this and I'm going to build a new discipline around this. So here's the seven truths. Spiritual disciplines are about training, not temperament. Spiritual disciplines are about dependence, not demand. Spiritual disciplines are about rhythms, not restrictions. Spiritual disciplines are transformational, not transactional. Spiritual disciplines are about structure, not sameness. Spiritual disciplines are about relaxing, not reacting. And spiritual disciplines are about presence, not perfection. So once again, what lie do you need to replace with the truth? Meditate on that throughout the week in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to really give you a new sense of your need for God. Because when we recognize that need, then we'll begin to order our life around the only one who can meet that need, and that is Jesus. So thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I pray that this discussion encouraged you. I pray it, it blessed you. And I can't wait to give you some very practical handles next week on you know some structures I've put into my prayer life and into my Bible study and even into things that we don't deem as spiritual, but I believe are actually very spiritual, uh, like our, our health rhythms and working out and and what we eat. And I think all of that works together to produce a healthy soul. So we'll talk about that next week. Thanks for listening today. And uh, I encourage you, if you want to get a midweek boost or pick me up or encouragement, I send out an email every Wednesday called The Weekly Reset, where I talk to you about how to put some of what we talk about in this podcast into practice. So if you want to sign up 
for that, just go to wadejoy.com. Once again, that's J-O-Y-E. Or there's a link on Instagram, at wadejoy, W-A-D-E-J-O-Y-E. And I can't wait to continue this discussion next week on dreamers and disciples. 